Welcome to CDR Quick Take with CarbonX. This is a carbon removal market report series. My name is Eli Harrell, and I'll be your host as we have conversations with people at the leading edge of the rapidly evolving CDR markets. As an impact entrepreneur and podcast host, part of my purpose is to accelerate positive change. And I'm excited to partner with CarbonX, who facilitates the procurement of permanent carbon removal for organizations looking to reach net zero. Together, we intend with these reports to provide you more visibility and transparency into what's happening right now in CDR and carbon markets and how you can use that information. Thanks so much for being here and playing your part. Now, let's get into this week's report. Paolo, welcome back again for this week's report. I am looking forward to continuing to learn more. This week, we will be going over the Q3 2023 a market report that CarbonX puts out that people can find on your website, carbonx.world. So Paulo, can you start walking us through some of the highlights and some of the things that people, especially buyers in this market and the carbon removal market would be benefited by having some insight into? Absolutely. It's a pleasure to have this conversation with you, Eli. The reason why we're Same doing here. this, maybe just to, to introduce a bit what the context is, the reason why we're doing these quarterly reports is we want organizations, especially the ones that have committed, pledged to reaching net zero, that are looking at carbon removal, to understand where the market is. We want to provide insights. We want to lead with insights so organizations feel comfortable enough to move forward, to invest in these new technologies, to help us scale them to climate relevance. And so here, the idea is really to draw the curtain on all of these different technologies, on what we're seeing in the market, and all of that can be found on either our website, as you kindly mentioned, but also our social media, our LinkedIn, for instance. And now we're with these series also on YouTube and other uh, you know, podcast platforms. I think, you know, from my perspective, I'm, I'm hearing more and more people talk about this market. And, and even on the ground, I was just having some conversations about agriculture and, and just other places where people are realizing that there is this really emerging market all over the world with carbon removal and technologies evolving and a lot of purchasing happening. But there's so much to learn. All over the place. So I, I really appreciate what you guys are doing with these reports. And yeah, please jump in and share with us some of the data that you think is most important and relevant. No, absolutely. And some of the data that we've collected. So there's there's been a lot of activity for the past two quarter. I would say so far, 2023 seems to be a very active year for carbon removals. We're seeing some of the largest buys of carbon removal so far in, in the history of this industry. And, and to talk about what happened last quarter, what we saw is more than 625,000 tons of permanent carbon removals that have been pre-purchased or that are under MOU, so Memorandum of Understanding, similar to Letters of Intent. But it just mm -hmm. shows you that we're now seeing this market grow. We're seeing organization double down on these new technologies, and we're seeing larger quantities of carbon removals being funded. Of these, you know, 625,000 tons, what we saw is that a big majority of it was uh, coming from direct air capture. So at least in this specific quarter, it seems that direct air capture is the technology or the removal pathway that has really caught the attention of organizations, the one that organizations feel comfortable moving forward. I believe that it's partly due to the fact that it is, it is a mature technology. It is one that is verified. There are now several, you know, organizations vetting these technologies. And so we see now more established organizations starting to feel comfortable with such technology. But that is not to say that there aren't other alternatives. There are other, you know, technologies available to us that are also ready for contractualization. 
such as biochar, such as BEX, or you know, enhanced rock weathering, for instance. It's fascinating to to learn about how these markets, like I said, how these markets are developing very, very quickly. Biochar is the one I was talking about with with the conversations I was having in agriculture, and I was starting to think through if I was the buyer, how secure would I feel that these technologies would would truly deliver on their promises. So I'm just kind of curious if it's okay to drill down just a little bit. What are, you so mentioned you. that direct air capture is something people are feeling more comfortable with. What are some of the nuanced reasons why that particular technology that you think that people are feeling more comfortable with that technology so far? Absolutely. I think it's the reason that when it comes to direct air capture, the location as to where, you know, this the carbon is then sequestered, you can actually see the condensed liquefied carbon being injected into these uh, basaltic formation, into these wells. And so people can actually, for the very first time, tangibly verify that, yes, indeed, a ton or the equivalent of a ton of CO2 has been removed from the atmosphere and being injected into the soils so that it can no longer harm us, no longer contribute to global warming. So it's that tangibility aspect that makes direct air capture stand out, I would say, from certain other technologies. But that is not to say that, you know, the other ones aren't as verifiable. If we look at, you know, biochar, if we look at enhanced rock weathering, these are technologies that are anchored in science. They've now been, you know, studied for multiple years. We know that they do remove carbon. Well, if we look at enhanced rock weathering, you know, and we're looking at millennia, the only reason maybe why organizations feel a bit less comfortable is that it's not as visible as direct air capture. And so for these specific technologies, we do rely on, on standards, on verifiers, validation and verification bodies to attest mm -hmm. that the removal has taken place. Got it. Yes. Thank you. Any other statistics or data from this quarter's report that you want to highlight in this conversation? Yes. I think, you know, when we started CarbonX a year and a half ago, what we had identified was approximately 30 CDR companies globally operating. And now what we saw in this quarter is we identified 250 companies globally in the process of developing technologies to remove carbon permanently. This is a huge increase in projects. Out of these 250 projects, we've identified 150 of them that, are, that we will follow closely for more research. And of those 155, 50, we've identified 50 of them that we deem ready for commercialization. So now we're seeing a growing pool of CDR companies coming into the market. And one of the key numbers we wanted to share is that we've now made projections of new market capacity upwards of a million tons of CO2 over the next 18 months. So a lot of organizations come to us and say, this is a nascent market. There isn't enough capacity for us to, you know, remove our residual emission. That is not the case. This market is growing exponentially and what it needs is buyers more demands to continue on, on growing, you know, and helping these industries scale to climate relevance. Excellent to hear. And just for clarity, for my own curiosity, out of the 250 companies, the, the, the 150 plus that you chose is specifically because they, they are um, using these four key renewable pathways that you, that you really recommend. Is that Fair to, the 250, exactly. Maybe to share a bit more about CarbonX's perspective, we've adopted key quality drivers focusing on permanence, additionality, verifiability, and net negativity. 
as well as safety and legality, of course. And for us to, us to basically start considering a company, of course, it needs to fit these criteria. And we define, we look at companies that remove carbon for at least five centuries or more. That's our definition of permanence. We might have to adopt it now that the European Union has come up with a new definition of it through the CRCF, the Carbon Removal Certification Framework, which defined right. permanence as several centuries or two centuries or more. But when, when it comes to these 250 companies, these are companies that meet these criteria, our criteria, and the ones we've retained for further research are the ones that are now at a certain stage for us to start feeling comfortable evaluating them further. So they are, you know, within their technology readiness levels, they're a bit further along the levels as well as maybe maturity. They're a bit more mature. And finally, what we find very interesting is the fact that we now have price ranges ranging from $140 a ton to $650. And of course, that is a big discrepancy and it depends on the type of technologies, the type of contracts, et cetera. But here, the point that we want to make and that we've identified is that we're now getting closer to much more affordable permanent carbon removal solutions, which should also foster a broader market adoption. So these are very encouraging signs that there are healthy dynamics within the market. There is, you know, a work towards a goal of bringing down the total cost of permanent carbon removals so that all organizations can then afford these type of technologies. Going to be a very interesting market to watch as it develops. All right. So thank you for giving us the highlights. And again, anyone who wants to go a little bit deeper into the report can grab that from the website or social media. What else would you like to talk about today, Paula? I think one thing that we would like to spend a bit more time on, and this is also, again, the purpose of this series, is to help organization understand what are the different ways to engage with the carbon removal industry. And today, for some of these organizations, these technologies might seem out of reach, might seem too risky, might seem too expensive. And what we want to show is that now we're in a situation where it, it is no longer the case. There are safe ways to engage with these industry that will not expose you to greenwashing allegations, that will not expose you to financial risks. And these are some of the points that I'd love to cover. Okay. So, so from my perspective, what I'm imagining this show doing for people that's most valuable is that anyone who's actually in a position where they would be purchasing carbon removal, it's a, a new market. Most people don't have a lot of experience with it. And it's, it's changing so quickly. So as the market matures, as budgets grow, as, as legislation starts to come online, um, there's a lot of question marks. So what would, what would you like to share with people today who are out there in those positions of purchasing? What do they need to know right now? I think what I'd like to, to share is what are the ways today for these organizations to engage with these technologies? And maybe to set the context. Carbon removal technologies are in the becoming. These are companies that are being built. And for them to get funded, they sell their future emissions of carbon removal certificates. A certificate, just for the basic, is a paper confirming that a ton has been removed from the atmosphere and has been permanently stored. And so this industry is currently what we call a futures industry. The only way for organizations or the the main way for organization, I should say, to engage with these technologies is through forwards, forward contracts, similar to offtake agreements and pre-purchase agreements. And what is interesting about these type of contracts is that in, for certain case, 
these provide us with the tools needed to limit you know, the possible downsides of buying carbon removal. If we look at an offtake agreement, an offtake agreement is a type of contract where a company agrees to a specific price point and a delivery date at which it will get the carbon removal credits it seeks mm -hmm. and pays them at delivery. So one of the benefits of these offtake agreements is that they minimize the financial risk to the buyer. What about, is there any other, anything else we need to think about when it comes to, to risk or these agreements that people should know about? And then of course there's reputational risk or integrity risk. So when a buyer looks at carbon removal, of course there are two main concerns are always, okay, financial risk. What if I buy something that never materializes? And here, offtake agreements are great in a sense that they allow companies to only pay at the delivery of the credits. So that means that there is still a delivery risk. It's just not a financial risk. And the way to mitigate that is through an active portfolio management. So making sure that, you know, you, you, you have a good monitoring system in place, monitoring process in place for you to continuously evaluate all of the existing contracts you have to make sure that they do materialize. These are some of the services that we facilitate at CarbonX. So we actively manage the portfolios of forwards for our clients to make sure that our offtake materialize. And then when, we, when it comes to integrity, then the, the issue is really about so making sure that, A, they're in compliance with the existing and looming regulations. So earlier on in, the, in this session, I, I talked about the CRCF, which gives us a clear guideline as to what would constitute an acceptable carbon removal. And in the CRCF, right. what they say is that carbon removal should be an acceptable carbon removal certificate should be a certificate where carbon has been removed from the atmosphere or comes from biogenic sources and is permanently stored. And permanence is defined as two centuries or more. And so taking that into account, because the CRCF will basically be used as an international standard, I believe it will shape regulation. So taking these, this existing standard into account and looking at also what other organizations are, are stating. If we look at the science-based targets initiative, what they say is that, again, for residual emissions, they can only abate it with permanent carbon removal. So where carbon has been removed from the atmosphere and permanently stored without defining what permanence is. This is where the European Union stand comes in. Learning a lot about the optic agreements and the way that, that we, the purchases are actually happening in this futures industry. So you've mentioned in this report, you've talked about the maturity of the market and how it, it is getting to the point where we can feel very secure moving forward with these actual contracts and transactions. So taking action, right? Other than this report, what would be some ways that you would recommend or some guidance you could give to people that they could really get the data they need to feel secure that they can take action, that they can move forward? Where should they be looking? Where should they be educating themselves and plugging in? That's a very fair that question. Point. Okay. Perfect. Okay. If I had a list or a checklist of points to, to go through before setting up a net zero strategy and buying carbon removal, the first step would be to get a comprehensive picture of what the industry is, where the industry lies, what are the different projects available to me that are in compliance with these existing standards and the upcoming ones? What are their price points? What are the delivery dates? What are the possible terms that are available to me? Can I prioritize offtake agreements, which require no pre-purchase, right? No upfront payments. I would then look also at what purchases were made so look at, and here we have a great, there's a great website that provides information with that regard. It's called cdr.fyi, which gives us a clear indication as to 
you know, which purchases were made, what companies have engaged in this industry. And then, of course, That's I would then proof. go on our, exactly, and then I would go on our website, so carbonx.world, and on our CDR market data page, where we actually gather insights on the price points available to us, the different technologies, and where do they, and the projects that fall under that, and where do these projects you know, happen. And once I have kind of this clear picture as to, okay, what are acceptable terms for me? What are the projects and their price points available to me? Then I would, uh, yeah, start setting up kind of a, a net zero strategy. Excellent. Are there communities or ways to stay in touch with other professionals in the same industry, other, other you know, responsible parties that would, would help that you, that you can recommend or how to find connection with people that are kind of keeping, you know, everybody's learning at the same time. So I would, I would imagine Absolutely. that those kind of relationships would be important. There is the negative, in Europe, there is the negative emissions platform, which is a trade association of CDR companies and organizations. And it, it's a coalition of such organizations of which we're part. And there you can have direct access to some of the main stakeholder in the industry. So should you have any question from, you know, a buyer's perspective, you will be able to get direct replies from, you know, it's this ecosystem stakeholders. For our listeners and for our viewers in the United States, there's the Carbon Business Council, which holds the same kind of responsibility. And at the same time, be it for the negative emissions platform or Carbon Business Council, should you also have questions from a policy standpoint, the people behind these coalitions are the ones that are now in direct discussion, respectively, with the United States uh, government and the European Commission. And so should you need clarity also as to what is the regulatory landscape or future regulator regulatory landscape, these are great organizations you know, to be in contact with. And you can easily reach them directly on you know, their social media pages, so LinkedIn, or on their websites, respectively. Excellent. All right. Well, I think we've shared with people some super valuable things this week. And thank you so much, Paolo, for the education you're doing. I'm learning a ton. And I hope that this is going to be meaningful for a lot of other people that are creating a lot of impact. So thank you for being here. And we will see you in the next report. Thank you very much, Eli. It's, it's a pleasure to be able to discuss about these topics with you and help us draw the curtain on the CDR industry. Until next time.